0: Hello, and welcome to Star Wars Sleepover, a laid-back exploration of the captivating and sometimes ridiculous galaxy far, far away. I'm Europa Tokani, and I am here as always with my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Loya Rowan, and today we're discussing whether love lifts us up where we belong, whether all you need is love, and whether Obi-Wan was made for loving Duchess Satine. Will he survive without her sweet love, oh baby?
0: okay it's time for what is always our first segment cantina corner every episode loya and i are each choosing a star wars themed cocktail to enjoy during our sleepover and for today's episode where we will be discussing obi-wan and Satine, i chose the obi-wan negroni from food lens this is basically a typical negroni but made Preferably, according to the recipe, with blood orange infused gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth. However, in true Star Wars sleepover style, I do not have blood orange infused gin. I did make an attempt to infuse gin with just normal, regular oranges. And then I also included the Campari and sweet vermouth. Nice. So, I am going to give it a try. It's good. I probably would not typically choose a Negroni. I think I've ordered one maybe two or three times ever. Mm-hmm. It is pretty bitter, as you would expect from a Negroni. And I'm tasting maybe a little hint of the added orange, but not too much. But then again, I did not make the recipe. <laughs> Is presented, so I am not too surprised. The recipe actually called for infusing gin with blood orange puree. Oh. So if I had done that, I'm sure it would be a lot stronger of an orange taste. But not bad. It's a solid cocktail for sure.
1: <laughs> I'll have to make sure I get some blood oranges, like when they're in season. Yeah, I really like blood oranges just generally,
0: and I was told that there were none at the supermarket.
1: Huh. I wonder if that's, like, the time of year, or if it's, like, symptomatic of, like, larger issues.
0: I feel like there may be around more in the cooler months.
1: Yeah, winter.
0: Yeah. So, Um, I don't know, maybe I'll make another attempt at this drink when blood oranges are available.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I actually hate oranges. (laughs) So I never buy them except when I'm trying to make cocktails. And then what ends up happening is they sit into my fruit bowl and then I don't eat them. Same thing with lemons, really. Uh, so, yeah, maybe this will be like my inspiration to actually do something with the citrus I buy. So my cocktail was, is, is uh, the Force Choke. The Force Choke. Uh, it's a cocktail created by Cocktail Chap. And I picked it because it fits the theme, my continued theme of the dark side, and it involves some very interesting ingredients. So it is involves chinar, which is an artichoke-based aperitif or digestif. I'm actually not sure. Um, it involves whiskey, lime juice, aardberg uh, 10-year, which I, I didn't get. I got the cheaper, <laughs> cheaper version of the aardberg, and a pinch of salts um and it's basically dedicated to that dark side dynamo darth vader incorporating some prophecy referencing the one whiskey which i just used seagrams and a little smoke from ardberg because that's how the darth lord how the lord <laughs> likes to make his entrance the darth lord and of course the whole drink is built around the artichoke amaro that is chinart which gives the cocktail its name so we shall see what we got here yeah, I really think scotch is growing on me. This, thing, this is, like, drinkable. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's very... There actually isn't that much scotch in it. And I don't know how much of, like, the flavor I'm tasting is actually the chinar, 'cause because it's definitely, like, mm-hmm. the predominant ingredient, but it's good. It's not Separate. an overpowering
0: artichoke taste or aroma. No.
1: Yeah, I don't taste artichoke at all. Like... It tastes smoky and hopefully a little salty by the end. It's my my hope.
0: I really want to try chinar now because I feel like I would like it. It's, I think it he would. Sounds like it's kind of like a savory note.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's it's a little bitter, but it also has like this weird sweetness. It's it's kind of a I don't know. It's complicated
0: because I, I know guess. we both really like mezcal, and I feel like it could be. Those who like mezcal maybe would like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the the scotch has a smoky flavor, same as mezcal, except not as... This seems stronger than, than <laughs> mezcals I've been drinking, which might be more of the product of what I have available here in the American Midwest, but... All right, Ooh, well... Yeah. there's the salt. Good.
0: <laughs> it sounds like we both made some... Fairly sophisticated cocktails for our sophisticated Obi-Wan. And I think we're ready to get started with our discussion. So, cheers! Cheers!
1: So now, as part of the segment we are calling it the Mouse Droid segment, we are going to discuss some of our progress on Clone Wars, uh, the Darth Vader comics, and then... Uh, Vader Immortal. There will be spoilers for all three, so skip ahead maybe five minutes? Seven minutes? We'll say seven just to be safe. Yeah, seven minutes to avoid any spoilers and get you to the main episode. Okay, so
0: I know you are further than me in Clone Wars. We basically... Had been watching with the goal of getting through the episodes that involve Satine, and we watched a bunch of those together. And then mm-hmm. we're kind of just filling in on our own. I will admit that I skipped a bunch of episodes in between, including the end of season three, which were the episodes I had seen before, which are the Mortis arc and the first introduction of the Night Sisters. Those were the few episodes that I had already seen of Clone Wars in a previous attempt to get into it. And I really liked those. And those are two of the elements that I do really, really enjoy about Clone Wars. So I was sad to miss those, but I was keeping my eye on the prize. So (laughs) I am now up to maybe like episode
1: four or five, I think, of season six. Did you finish the fives arc? Because I think yes. that's episode five. Okay. Yep, I did. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, I, I just finished season six. Um, I was initially very leery about it because, as, as we talked about in the last episode, I love Cad Bane. And he is no longer in Clone Wars, except, like, vague mentions um after the crisis of Naboo which is the sometime after season like sometime in season five um so I was like wow how am I supposed to get through this (laughs) (laughs) there's still two full seasons before it ends and no more Cad Bane and I was I was pretty upset but then season six is phenomenal oh my gosh I can't wait till you get to the end because like I was excited about the end of season five like Ahsoka leaving the order was yeah. devastating which we should talk about yeah. I really started getting
0: truly into Clone Wars with the episode where Satine dies because it just start like in my opinion just started getting really good there were a lot of interesting things going on things of consequence were happening And then I knew, I already knew that Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, and I really wanted to see all of that play out, so I was excited to watch those. It took me a while, though, because I just got, like, busy with other things. But I was texting you while I was watching that episode where she does leave the Jedi Order, and, like, honestly, I was just so thrilled for her. I don't know what my emotions were other than that I was just like, you know what? Good for you. Like I'm really happy that <laughs> you get to leave and be free of all of this.
1: I was so angry at that episode. I just I was trying to like run the math because in that particular episode the council like the the people who were weighing in on whether or not she could stay or like she would be expelled from the Jedi Order. There were six of them, right? There are six people who are weighing in on whether Ahsoka can stay with the Jedi Order. Six male characters. Like, for some reason, the female Jedi Masters, the ones who are sitting on the High Council, do not feel the need to, like, weigh in on this discussion. So six people to vote. So we know General Plo voted to keep her. We know Obi-Wan probably did. So that leaves four people. So that means that Mace Windu, Sasi Tien, Ki-Adi Mundi, all probably voted against her and Yoda either also voted against her or abstained because otherwise it would be a tie vote.
0: My question is why they have six people voting in the first place.
1: Right. Where, where, where's the rest of the Jedi council? Like why aren't, why are there no females weighing in on this? So like, and also
0: why isn't it an odd number?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So unless like there were votes happening that didn't happen during the episode, Yoda either abstained or voted against Ahsoka, and I'm just so disappointed in Yoda. The other one's fine, you know. As we've established, Kiati Mundi is just like in the episodes I'm watching. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like, are you actually on the side of the Jedi? I don't know. So I thought that was like when they're sitting standing there, being like, "You can come back now." I just wanted to like spit in their faces. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it felt it felt. It was so evocative to me of like this like false accusation, where it's just like, oh, we thought you were kidding about all those Me Too moments, or like, you know, we thought you were making this up, but now we believe you. And it's just like, yeah, screw well, you.
0: their <laughs> attitude was very much like, oh, ha, we messed up, right? Like, but it's okay now. You've it's learned fine, right?
1: Like we've yeah. all
0: learned a lesson, and it's just fine now. And Ahsoka was like, no,
1: yeah, it's really not.
0: And I was so impressed with her. Yes. And I'm so excited to see her come back and see what she's doing. And I'm definitely going to miss her watching the rest of season six and whatever part of season seven she's not in.
1: So I, that is the silver lining there is I thought for sure, like, it would just be a slog going through season six, but, like, even I stopped after the episode, after the arc with Fives, and I stopped after the arc with Clovis because I was, like, okay, these next two story arcs about, like, the disappeared and um, Yoda's vision quest were just going to be boring. It was insane. I'm so excited for you to watch these episodes because I just feel like I need to talk to you about them. Like, I have thoughts. I have, like, strong feelings, and it went fast. Like, I got through most of them, like... It was easy to keep watching. Granted, I was working on the website <laughs> while I was like watching, but it was still solid.
0: I am glad to hear you say that you're enjoying the rest of season six because I am partway through the Clovis arc and I just watched the episode. Oh, God. Where Anakin got into a fist fight with him and got into a very serious argument with Padme and I was very proud of Padme, but then I just had to know that she decided that she should continue to be with Anakin.
1: Yeah, because at the end of that episode, she says she apologizes, right? Have we gotten to that? I don't know. I think the last episode
0: I watched ended with them not being in a good place like she oh. she came out to talk to him and Spoilers. was like you know that there's nothing going on between me and Clovis and you're just being ridiculous and, oh. he was, and he was like you don't understand she was like no like maybe we shouldn't have gotten married essentially and I was like damn like yeah. you are just saying what <laughs> we are thinking and yep. I was just like you have so much self-awareness right now like you're seeing all of the flaws in your relationship but I mean obviously she wasn't going to leave him
1: well it gets worse uh, <laughs> spoilers for this story arc I, I was glad to see the end of this one it was like watching a train wreck a little bit but the ending is not something I was, like, thrilled about.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I was watching that particular episode with my husband, and I was just, like, <laughs> making comments throughout, like, really, does he have to be like this all the time? Like, he, she he, she was imprisoned, and he came to get her and came in and was, yeah. just, like, yelling at her immediately. And then she was, like don't you understand that this is important for the Republic? And he was just like, I don't care. You better come with me before I change my mind. It's like, and what, leave you in a prison cell?
1: Yeah, I thought he was being absolutely ridiculous. I was so angry at Anakin. Like, I I mean, all the progress that I've seen, like, as we'll talk about, like, in the episodes with Satine, I thought he was, it was like the strongest, like, well- Wishes I had towards Anakin in like a long, long time ever, probably, but that was just like evaporated in from the story arc, like yeah he was he was so condescending, so selfish, so controlling, and then, yeah, the resolution to that was just like so underwhelming to me, so yeah i okay. i would I would say stronger words if i i wasn't afraid of getting bleeped on this podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) you will be bleeped I'll leave it in but it will be bleeped
1: exactly I'll just I'll leave it at that you can fill in the blank
0: I did (laughs) also see that exchange between Anakin and Obi-Wan that is relevant to this episode but maybe we'll get into that later
1: yes yep I think that makes sense and then The other thing I wanted to mention was a shout out to Katie Lucas. Yes. Make that very clear.
0: You brought that up. And then when I started looking back on the episodes that I really enjoyed, they were all written by Katie Lucas pretty much.
1: Yes. So she wrote, I was so impressed because like the story arc with fives is, you know, they don't find out like all of this tension, all of this, like, Oh my gosh, come on find out. Find out about order 66. Come on, come on. Like, there's a resolution, and you know it's not what you want it to be, but she, like, captured the tension of that, and she made the clones so... so empathetic, like, I just felt so sad when Fives was
0: killed, like... I know you've felt a connection to the clones from the beginning, which I haven't really as much as you have, but (laughs) but after watching that arc, it was just heartbreaking.
1: It really was, like... Uh, yeah. And also, <laughs> Tim Curry periodically throughout season six is just, like, so disconcerting to me. Like, there, Ian a. Abercrombie, I've talked to you about this, like, he passed away, I think, at the end. Like, his tribute episode was some point during season five, and he had recorded some episodes for season six. So, like, it kind of varies. And I was like, wait a minute, this is definitely not... Uh, This is definitely not Tim Curry in these episodes. And sure enough, it was Ian Abercrombie. But Tim Curry, like, no, no, I love Tim Curry. He's amazing. But he is Tim Curry. Like, there's no hiding his voice. Like, it's Tim Curry consistently.
0: See, I didn't notice that change at all. And I don't know why, because you would, I would think I would recognize Tim Curry.
1: Yes. But apparently I don't. Well, I don't think he's in a lot of the, like, earlier episodes of season six. And then in the Clovis arc, I think it is Ian Abercrombie, if I'm remembering correctly. And then it switches back to Tim Curry for the rest of season six.
0: I'll have to listen for it going forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, even the laugh, I'm like, this is Tim Curry laughing, like, (laughs) just Tim Curry sneering. Again, I do love Tim Curry, but it's hard for me to imagine him as Palpatine.
0: The other thing I wanted to mention is that I now feel so much more informed about the dark saber. And when I watched season one of the Mandalorian, I know everyone was freaking out about the fact that Moff Gideon at the end had the dark saber. And I had to look it up because I, up until this year had not really watched any of the star Wars animation. So I'm excited that I now know the history of the Darksaber, which I know continues into Rebels. But I just feel like now going into season two of The Mandalorian, Ooh. I can be excited about the presence of the Darksaber.
1: Yes. I mean, I feel like that in general with Clone Wars, like, I'm just like, wow, thinking back to like our first episode, because I was just listening to it. Um it's so much easier for me to keep track of the different things now. I feel I feel like this has definitely enhanced my experience of Star Wars.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: If you tuned in, <laughs> we're still talking about spoilers. So yeah. <laughs> so, move we're, we'll, we'll move past Clone
0: Wars, yes, but we yeah. did want to talk about the current run of Darth Vader, which we will also be discussing spoilers on. So if you don't want to hear about that, continue to fast forward.
1: I loved the fact that you recommended this to me. Like I have been really enjoying it and they are so relevant to like our, our interests. Like I feel like it would have been very helpful in our discussion an episode two to have re- if I had read these in advance.
0: Yeah. Well, I had read the first, at that point because that was all that was out when we recorded that episode oh okay and I could not even imagine really like what was to come I feel like it pretty much responded to all my complaints in that episode where I was like I want Sabe to come back. Well, I mean, she was yes. already back, but I was like, I want Sabe to do more. And I want all the other Handmaid's to come back. And w- you were saying like, where's Sabe? Where is when Sabe? When <laughs> is going through all of this. And like, where was she when she was killed? And it pretty much answers all of that and just like gives us Sabe out for revenge against Darth Vader, which is amazing. <laughs>
1: I completely agree. I was actually surprised. Like it threw me for a loop. I thought for sure like she was just partnering partnering with him. And then like she's like, ha, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, yes. I'm in. Even though I know she, she's not gonna be successful, but yeah. Again, like with the with the very good writing, like you know, you you have the suspense when you know the resolution. Yes.
0: Greg Pack, amazing. Apparently the next issue that's coming out is the end of this arc. So I'm nervous and excited to see what happens, but I have been loving it so far. Everything about it is great. The art is amazing. I have a panel from it as my phone background right now, which is Darth Vader standing on Naboo in the meadow where he and Padme have the picnic and attack of the clones with like butterflies around him. It's, incredible and I also just love all of the torture that they are putting Darth Vader through in reminiscing about Padme and having to see all these women that look like her it's just so good
1: I agree I agree it's very easy for me like oftentimes when I'm watching Darth Vader I forget sort of that you know he's Anakin because Anakin I have such hatred for and Darth Vader I don't mind but like and for some reason these comics it's like very I mean obviously not for some reason it's pretty obvious why he's talking about Padme like it is very Anakin focused Darth Vader and it makes it does make the like emotional devastation that much yeah
0: better. and that and the fact that obviously the handmaidens and Padme's retinue that are in on this revenge plot don't know that Darth Vader is Anakin and they keep saying things like, this is for Padme and Anakin.
1: Yeah, that's true. Although, now knowing that the next issue is the last one, that's going to be...
0: Well, I mean, the comic is going to continue. It's just like this particular arc is going to end but they have said too that in this run there are going to be some connections to rise of skywalker so i'm very interested to see where that goes
1: yes me too i've also been enjoying the dr afro comics that you also recommended so
0: i'm very excited that you're reading those and we
1: should definitely
0: plan to discuss those in season two Speaking of Anakin and Padme and (laughs) emotional torture for Darth Vader, I also have been playing Vader Immortal, which is a VR game that was originally released for Oculus and just came to PlayStation VR, which I have, and I was super excited for it to come out. There's been a bit of a learning curve because it's a little bit more complicated than other VR games I played, and I've had a few struggles. But it has been totally worth it. It's really, really cool and also very relevant to our interests because it's all about Darth Vader trying to claim this artifact on Mustafar that would essentially bestow eternal life. And there's a scene in the beginning where you... Hidden witness Vader speak to some sort of mystical stone and hear Padme's voice.
1: oh wow. and
0: I have played the first two chapters. I have one more to go, and I'm excited to finish it.
1: oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I really wish I had like enough space to have a VR setup up somewhere in my home. But unfortunately, we have a lot of couches.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough even in our space. Like, I definitely whacked something with my PlayStation controller at one point. And my husband has watched me playing it a few times and has told me, like, do you realize that you're, you've, like, turned completely around and are, like, two feet over from where you should be? And I'm just like, no. Because... <laughs> You have a lightsaber, you are fighting things with a lightsaber, like, you can force pull things, like, it's so cool. But yeah, I definitely stop being aware of my actual surroundings, and then it becomes a problem
1: oh my god force pulling sounds amazing like i have these dreams where i like have powers and i like go to like gesture with my hands like pull something or push something or like fire at something and i don't do it obviously because i don't have powers but like in the dreams it's so terrifying because i'm just like no i can do this and i like move my hands and nothing happens but it'd be cool to actually like live that out and force pull (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, at, like to me, it's cooler than the lightsaber because you're just doing it with the PlayStation controller. But like there's this weird synchronicity between like what you're thinking and the gesture. I don't know. It's very cool.
1: so now time for our main topic which is to say uh sateen and obi-wan's relationship so i was surprised by this given like when we first talked about doing this episode it, i felt like there was gonna be a lot more there than actually there was like i think the total number of episodes sateen appeared in was like 10 maybe
0: yeah i totally agree i kind of just thought there was going to be a lot more substance Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: a lot more for us to discuss. And I even was under that impression when we started researching because, like you said, it looked like she was in about 10 episodes. But we quickly discovered that that list included episodes where she was standing in the background. Mm -hmm. So she supposedly appeared in them, but there was no actual interaction between her and obi-wan or like her and anyone else and it didn't really add to her story at all
1: yeah or like the one where she's like standing when obi-wan fakes his own death i was interested that they didn't like come back to that and be like i thought you were dead <laughs> no like she yeah doesn't say that she generally. got over it i guess yeah yeah Anakin still holds a grudge, but Satine's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you did what you had to do. Um, but she does like she makes an impression. Like she's a definitely a memorable character, given like the paucity of episode she's in.
0: Yeah, she's definitely distinctive. I would say in both her character design or her style and in her personality.
1: Yes. So when we first talked about doing this episode we were like her name's is like what's up with that and apparently uh giving obi-wan a love interest and then also the name was left up to henry gilroy who's the story editor for clone wars and david filoni dave dave
0: <laughs> i think you should just continue to call on david
1: <laughs> it's so weird because i'm constantly shortening things and then. Apparently, in my head, Dave Filoni is David Filoni. I don't know why. Also, I don't know if
0: you've ever seen Dave Filoni. No. Okay. If you if you had seen Dave Filoni, I feel like you would know that he's Dave
1: and not David and not David. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to remember that going forward. Um, Dave. So he's the supervisor director, supervising director for Clone Wars. And he said that he didn't realize, like, he didn't put it together that Satine was also Satine from Moulin Rouge, in which Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, starred. Um, Which I was shocked that this wouldn't be, like, your immediate reaction. Yeah, but that was definitely our immediate reaction. right? But considering that we just watched Moulin Rouge for the first time with our significant others, what, that was, like, September last year? Yeah, like, yeah,
0: just about a year ago.
1: And neither of them had seen it. So I'm wondering if that's, like, a gender generational thing. Like, we are definitely not the same as Dave. In the sense that we are, I'm assuming, younger. Actually, I don't know how old yeah. Dave is. Yeah, we're definitely younger. Okay. Dave, how old are you? <laughs> as I look him up. Yeah, he's, like, he's a good almost 15 years older than us oh yes he definitely looks like a Dave <laughs> I like the cowboy hat see hats it's a signature look I'm I'm for it I feel like everyone needs a, a signature hat look not no one sure else... about that <laughs> it's true actually <laughs> I went to a uh, conference once and there was uh, someone who is from my hometown and he was walking around in this like i don't know this big white cowboy hat and i i couldn't handle it i'm like you can't like his his cowboy hat is tasteful it's not gigantic and nor is it white which is just like (sighs) okay so now that we've talked about cowboy hats for a little while (laughs) He said that he didn't realize that like the na- the connection Moulin Rouge and he said I still want to question Gilroy about that because I'm like come on really I mean out of all names really it's pretty weird I'll give you that and it, it is it is
0: it's too weird yeah there's no way why would you come up with the name Satine like I just do not believe that there is no connection or that that wasn't intended there's just yep. no way
1: no. There's no I mean, the only settine I know is from Moulin Rouge. And exactly. Now, it's, like, it's not like a common name. It's it would be like, I don't even know. I don't know. But yes, I, I feel like it has to be deliberate, even if apparently no one else realized it or And then also in that same Actually, I don't know if it's the same interview, but in the Wikipedia article, there's a reference to Kate Blanchett and like her being an inspiration for Setine, especially her Kate Blanchett's roles in Elizabeth and Elizabeth Golden Age. That is something that I
0: noticed in watching our first episodes, and that I mentioned to you. Like, do you think she looks somewhat like Kate Blanchett? And you were like, oh, I don't know. So I do feel very vindicated to know that that was conscious.
1: Yeah. And you should, because, like, once I read that and having seen more episodes, I was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's pretty, she has very strong Cape Blanchett vibes. Very strong. One of the other
0: influences that came up was the Italian Renaissance, which has a lot to do with my two degrees in Italian Renaissance art, which are super helpful to me but I guess are helpful to me right now for this episode. And I feel like there was specific mention of the Medici and I don't know. I could, I can see the Renaissance influence, especially in Satine's clothing and her outfit in, I think the final episode that she's appears in is especially Renaissancey with the rough. However, that's more English Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I would say But then there are mentions of Mandalore or new Mandalore being kind of a courtly realm. And I can see that a little bit, but I'm wondering what your take is on that.
1: So I I mean, I can see it as well. I spent a lot of time like I had to rewatch the episodes in preparation for this episode because I spent a lot of those first few episodes just raging about the way that Mandalore was portrayed. <laughs> like I was not I was not into this courtly pacifist whatever dynamic situation. I just felt like it was way too big of a swing to go from like yeah. Historical Mandalore to this. I agree. It
0: seemed very drastic. And you have a lot more background on Mandalore, at least the previous EU, especially through Kotor. Yeah. And I just had kind of a general idea of what Mandalore was like, and this didn't match up with it. But my confusion didn't go as deep as yours. But For sure, I feel like one of the things that I was thinking about a lot watching these episodes was Satine's commitment to pacifism and to basically completely changing the Mandalorian way of life and what Mandalore stood for. And she was very idealistic, and I just am not sure that what she had in mind was really realistic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, yes, a lot of my experience of Mandalore is from KOTOR, but even, even, like, I suppose I can accept there was a civil war and pacifism, like, emerged as a counter to that because of the devastation, but then in that case, Death Watch, which is supposed to be, like, the old traditional way of Mandalore, like, that's their thing, it was it was also contrary to, like, my my experience with Mandalore. And, like, I feel like it does, like... I know KOTOR is technically legend, and, but the Mandalorian is canon. And, like, the way that the Mandalorians are portrayed and, like, they're, like, honor bound and very, like, strong adherence to things matches, more or less, some of the things in KOTOR. And so I felt like the portrayal of, like, Mandalorian's, like you know, pre-Visla messing around with like, he he gets in a duel with Obi-Wan and then as he's losing, like it's a one-on-one duel, but as he's like starting to like lose ground, he tells his minions to jump in. I'm like, no, no, like that's not honorable. That's not what Mandalorians do. And then there's another thing where like when they come into the camp, I think this is with the Darth Maul episodes, you see Mandalorians like messing with droids for sport. There's no honor in that. Like, As a Mandalorian, you you hunt out opponents who will make your skills like will make will present a challenge will make your skills like if you defeat them, it's worthwhile fighting droids and messing around with them like outside of camp is not worth your time. Like it was it was very frustrating like that portrayal and I felt like Death Watch in that respect was like very counter to like everything that Mandalore stands for.
0: Well, I guess in a way you could look at it as Death Watch maybe believes that they are the traditionalists and they're bringing back what it means to be Mandalorian, but they also have this warped view of it.
1: I would believe that. That's probably the easiest for me because like I was I was enraged and I was just so frustrated like and ah, and they're inconsistent because like when he's losing ground against Darth Maul previously, he doesn't ask people to jump in. Like, that apparently is, like, correct. But somehow Obi-Wan doesn't merit the same, like, respect. I don't know.
0: It's interesting, too, because I was talking a little bit about this with my future brother-in-law and telling him where we were in Cold Wars. And he mentioned the Mandalorian and said that he thought, and maybe this is the prevailing assumption, but it's not one that I had because I hadn't watched Home Wars, but he said that he thinks the Mandalorians that saved Din Djarin in the Mandalorian are Death Watch.
1: So there is like, there's a canonical explanation for it. Like it sounds like the tribe, which is what Disney has chosen to describe the group that saved Mandalorian main character, who will be the Mandalorian to me, because I can't remember his name, was an offshoot, But, like, they definitely seem to, like, have more of an adherence to, like, to me, is traditional Mandalore. So, like, I don't know if, like, different parts of Death Watch had more of a connection, but, like, Pre-Visla is their leader, and he's just, like, a piece of... He's yeah. a coward! Like, I, as a Mandalorian, I would never follow him. Like, you know, yeah, I don't care if he's wielding the Darksaber. Like, he has no honor. So we should probably get into the actual meat of what there is. The meat of Setin and Obi-Wan's relationship. So the way that they're introduced is interesting. So they have this backstory. I guess told, not shown. Like, there's a lot of telling instead of showing. So mm-hmm. it's like... You're you're supposed to assume that they're they have this like, you know, year they've spent on the run together, which allowed them to grow close, and then they separated, and now this is their first reunion back.
0: Yeah, and I kind of struggled with that aspect of it in that there were these brief scenes where they were reminiscing about the time they had spent together during the Mandalorian Civil War and there was this whole kind of meet cute story where they were fleeing from a monster, and Obi Wan picks the teen up to take her away from danger, and he dropped her and apparently scarred her permanently. But in their discussion of this story, it wasn't a, like a cute thing where they were like, oh, ha ha ha, remember. These times that we had together. Yeah. And this was so funny when it happened. I felt like the exchanges that they had in that first meeting seemed kind of hostile.
1: Yeah. It was less like, oh, this is cute teasing and like banter. It seemed like bickering and sniping to me. Like, it wasn't, I wasn't sold. Like, this no. Is supposed to be like, you know, the first time they've seen each other and this is what they give me. It just seemed
0: adversarial almost, and I feel like Satine especially just seemed to be angry and pissed off at Obi-Wan for leaving her, Yeah, and didn't seem to be over that. It wasn't really excitement and happiness at seeing him, it was almost like he just brought back all these bad memories and opened up old wounds about what she had had to come to terms with when he was just like no I'm going to stay in the Jedi order.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm totally with you. Like there was not like it wasn't an excitement like you know even Anakin when he talks to Obi-Wan he's like I sense a lot of like anxiety. It wasn't like happiness. It wasn't like ooh exciting. It was <laughs> there's a lot of like very real differences between them yeah in terms of like I don't even know he's so yeah. he's so nonchalant about things like I don't know
0: yeah it it definitely wasn't warm and I feel like there was almost resentment on Satine's part
1: yeah I would be resentful Especially would be resentful if he comes back and is just like harping at me for not saving him in time. And like, I saved you, stop complaining.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I went into this hoping that this relationship would bring some more depth to Obi Wan's character and really expecting it to kind of be more on board for it than I actually was. Yeah. And I know one of the questions that you posed when we were prepping was generally whether we're into it or not. And I think we can both say we're not really into it.
1: Nope. Nope. And I mean, we'll get into like Satine's leadership and like why this is one of my favorite episodes with Anakin. (laughs) (laughs) But I can safely say like there wasn't a huge draw for me. Like I, I struggled with Satine as a character. Yeah, um, me too. Especially with like when there are other female characters in this, like it's not like we have to settle for something. Like, and that's terrible to say about Satine because like she does have her good moments, I suppose. But like, Ahsoka is so strong and, so, and Padme even like Padme. Yeah, I mean, and I think Satine, like that the comparison also isn't great. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, I think especially Ahsoka is just much more nuanced.
1: Mm -hmm. I totally
0: agree. Satine kind of fell flat for me. Like, I wanted to like her when she was introduced, but I just struggled with a lot of her decisions and her behavior. And so I didn't really like her for Obi-Wan.
1: It is interesting, though. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like Kate Blanchett, like Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth and in Elizabeth the Golden Age makes terrible decisions, much like Satine. But like I'm I'm there for Kate Blanchett in those roles. Like, I hate, hate, hate. I hate Dudley. I hate Dudley with a passion. Like, I Joseph Fine is fine, but like i really dislike him and like her continued love for him just drives me up the wall but at the same time like i at least acknowledge like i'm i like her in that role i i'm interested in elizabeth's actions i don't know why i didn't feel like that with sateen because i don't yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if it's just because like elizabeth obviously wasn't a pacifist (laughs)
0: True. Very true. Like,
1: she is so ruthless, and I love the dynamic between her and her spy master, portrayed by Jeffrey Rush, of course. And, like, I... I... I find that easier to relate to than Satine's pacifism, especially in regards to, like, that guy's gonna blow up the ship. Can you yeah. think he's gonna blow up the ship? And she's like, oh, I can't possibly kill you. Well, it's just idealism
0: taken to a completely untenable point. Yes. That again is just not realistic for the scenario that she's in. Like no. pacifism and remaining neutral in the state that the galaxy is in is just not, I don't I hate to say it, like probably not the right move for
1: that point in time. <laughs> well and I think maybe maybe it's just the fact that like when we preparing for this episode like a lot of things were happening now and I just feel like neutrality benefits the person who's the aggressor like the tormentor like it doesn't help the victims like you sitting there and being like oh I'm not gonna take a side who does that really help it helps it helps the separatists like it doesn't help the republic like and it's not even
0: helping her own people there's that whole episode about the black market Oh. Which exists pretty like in large part because no one will trade with them because they have chosen to be neutral and like her people are being affected by it.
1: Yeah, and she's like stunned that this is a, a the situation, and I just cannot fathom how you exist in a universe where there is clear piracy. The huts, the huts exist in this system, like. Yeah, and she's think? just like,
0: what? What do you mean? And then there's corruption? With, with Death Watch as well, in that episode where she invites Padme to come to Mandalore, and they're having all these discussions about what's going on, and she starts seeing things happen, and she's just like, oh, what? Death Watch? Oh, we'll take care of them. Like, they won't be a problem. She's just, just like, one is absolutely shocked that there's corruption or anything like, untoward going on on Mandalore. And two, when she does see things happening, she's just like, oh no, th- that won't be a problem for much longer. Like, we won't even pay them any heed.
1: Right. Or, I mean, like, like the, that episode with Ahsoka and the, oh my gosh, the cadets, for the cadets. Yeah. Um, that was not a sure thing. Like, they could have easily, something could have gone wrong. And they could have died. And she just like completely gaslit him. And then it's just like, oh, I knew you would find something. Like, I don't know. Well, I should stop saying I don't know. I do know. It's not okay. Like, it is just not okay. Like, I wanted to like her. And I hate the fact that I don't. Because, like, I spend a lot of these episodes, like, ranting. I agree. I completely still ranting. Like, the portrayals of the relationships in Star Wars. Like, it's hard. It's really hard. Well,
0: first of all, Satine lives in like a platonic fantasy world. Yeah. And (laughs) I feel like that's honestly part of the reason that Obi-Wan likes her and that she likes Obi-Wan is that they are both so principled and believe in something so strongly. But at the same time, that's what's causing them not to be able to be together.
1: Yeah, and in addition to, like, multiple problems throughout the course of both their lives, like, Satine dies for her principles, which is admirable, and Obi-Wan goes into exile, which is admirable, but, like, I feel like if they had just spent a little bit more time, like, compromising, maybe things wouldn't have had to end the way they did, which maybe is, that might be a little too victim-shaming, I understand, but... Ah oh, man, it's so hard. And I don't know if it's just, like, me, because when Anakin, like, when the senator for Mandalore admits that he's the one who, like, set everything up and he's, like, the traitor and... Satine and Obi-Wan are standing there, and she's got the gun trained on him, and he's got his lightsaber, and he's just, like, mocking them to their faces, and they're both like, oh, I don't know what to do, and then Anakin just comes and kills the guy? I'm like, thank goodness, like, (sighs) Anakin, do what needs to be done.
0: I mean, it is interesting, though, that Satine does call Obi-Wan out on the Jedi supposedly being peacekeepers and what he's doing currently. Although he seems to kind of just disregard that.
1: Yes, I mean that is that is true. She, I mean, yeah, she's she's inconsistent. Which, granted, so is Obi Wan.
0: Yeah, and we've discussed that that we both like Obi Wan and having like watched maybe. Clone Wars he's kind of dropped a little bit in our esteem because he just seems so flippant about everything. And I know like he's supposed to have this dry sense of humor. And that's one of the things that I like about him in the prequels. But like when you just see him over and over again, coming into these life or death situations and making a joke, it gets a little annoying.
1: Yes. More than a little annoying. Like he's dropped so much. For me, like, I'm interested to see, because we're going to be talking about Han and Leia next time, like, (laughs) the original trilogy. I'm going to be interested to see, like, if my impression from Clone Wars carries over into Alec Guinness. Because I love Alec Guinness, and I love his portrayal of Obi-Wan, and I'm going to be very upset if that is the case. Because, yeah, he's he's a struggle for me. I just want to smack him and be like, no, seriously, like, stop messing around. And
0: I don't think this relationship with Satine really made Obi-Wan's character any better or worse for me or really added all that much depth. I think it reinforces that he was committed to his principles because he didn't leave the Jedi order for her. Although I will say that was like the one time that I was (laughs) on board for this relationship when Satine was about to maybe die the first time and pretty much gave the same deathbed confession that she does later, and he replied something like, I would have left the Jedi Order for you if you asked me. And, like, that got me because just the, like, thought of someone caring so much about you and loving you so much that they would leave something that was that important to them and that critical part of their life like I don't know there's something very attractive about that at the same time like I'm not on board for Obi-Wan violating his (laughs) vows as a Jedi if he's not going to leave the order like I don't want that and I kind of want Obi-Wan to be the one that actually is living by these principles, if it's going to be anyone. So that being said, I do not subscribe to the theory that Corky is (laughs) Obi-Wan Satine's child. If you're like that and that's what you want to assume, go for it. But personally, I have a weird thing about... nobility characters <laughs> and wanting them to just stay true to their convictions. So I I will not, not go with that theory.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that because, like, honestly, there is something admirable even as I'm sitting, like, <laughs> what are we at? I've spent quite a bit of time disparaging the relationship and, like, struggling with the pacifism and the idealistic aspects. But I do find it admirable, if impractical. Like, there's always this part that's, like, wow, wouldn't it be nice to be, like, that committed? But then, then, like, inevitably, like, I just don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Like, it's so hard for me. I'm just, yes. But I I prefer one or the other. Like, if you're going to be, if you're going to be, It's the hypocrisy aspect that I really struggle with, right? If you're going to be principled, be principled. If you're going to be ruthless, just be honest and be ruthless. Like, I don't need to hear, like, oh, he deserves it or, like, all these justifications, like, I watched the good, the bad, and the ugly because of Cad Bane, and there's a scene where Tuco's like, if we're gonna shoot, just shoot, don't talk, like that is my attitude, like, don't sit here and be like, all high and mighty because like, you did what had to be done, just do it. Maybe that says more about my morality than Obi-Wan and Satine but, yes. Let's talk about Satine's death. Let's see here Darth Maul, he's now in the picture. I have feelings about that I apparently really dislike Darth Maul, which is funny because I just talked about how how I appreciate honesty. And Darth Maul is pretty honest. Like, he just is very supposedly tormented. And
0: I don't know. I have become more interested in Darth Maul than I was previously.
1: Like, Hondo. (laughs) 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 When Darth Maul tries to convince the pirates to, like, join in with him, and i like... You know, he does, and then he calls Hondo, and Hondo's just, like, they betrayed me. I'm so proud of them. Like, I love Hondo. I'm so excited for more Hondo. And just, like, Darth Maul, maybe, maybe Darth Maul is, does fit in with that, because, like, Darth Maul has plans and, like, very specific ideas, and that he, like, accuses the pirates of being insolent, and Hondo replies, insolence, we're pirates, we don't even know what that word means. Like, yes. Thank you. Um,
0: I All I know is that I felt that things got more interesting, much more interesting when Darth Maul showed up on Mandalore. And I appreciated it.
1: Yeah, I spent a lot of time wishing that someone would stand up to him. I also thought Embo, who I, I apparently do have a soft spot for. <laughs> yeah, I like irrationally love Embo as well. Yes! Right! He's got the dog as well. Like, I'm like, a dog, hat, sense of honor. I'm, I'm in. So I thought he was gonna die. I also like the other bounty hunter with the boa. She's very cool to me. The strawberry blonde hair. And when Darth Maul was like, persuading the huts, and I use persuading in like, air quotations, I just really wanted the huts to like, stage more of a resistance also, I would be interested to hear your thoughts about the pikes and opium dens, because I really wanted to text you about that, and I will not, because, like, you're going to get to those episodes. Okay. So, just keep that in mind. Okay. Upcoming opium dens. Legit opium dens. Right, we're talking about uh, Yes. So,
0: I did think it was interesting that Satine's sister, Bo-Katan, came into play and thought it was interesting that she was in the episodes that involved Darth Maul and Savage. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I had a high opinion of Savage, but I, hate I it, do Savage. have a high opinion of Bo Katan and I'm excited that she is in future things.
1: Me too. And when she, when it was revealed that she was Satine's sister, I'm like, why could we have episodes about her? Like, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I mean, yes, she is in Death Watch, but. And apparently he's not. Oh, so, quirky. going back to Corky. It's yes. not Bo-Katan's son. I totally thought he was. No, I, that's what I assumed, but he's yeah. not.
0: He is another sibling's son, apparently. What other sibling? I don't know. I guess that's why people theorize that he's not actually Satine's nephew.
1: Only they had obituaries in Star Wars. You could pour through them and be like, oh. Yeah, I'm definitely not also not in favor of that theory about him being Obi-Wan's son. I also feel like that makes it worse, right, when Satine sends him on the errands where he totally could have died. Like, if it's one thing, if that's her nephew it's another thing if that's her son although maybe those shouldn't be different but they are in my mind
0: well yeah I mean you really shouldn't send any family members to do that
1: right (laughs) like it really should make a difference like it doesn't matter (laughs) if it's your like second cousin once removed like just don't send people to their deaths I don't know and we should talk as well because in the scene in which Satine dies there's a lot of shots of that very prominent picture of her painting of her in the cupid yeah, style like the
0: one painting which
1: i but guess there wait, are
0: two there's that there one are two. and then there's the reference Gernica to guernica one yes
1: yes and i noticed that and i was like wait is that guernica and it was supposed to be a reference apparently in new mandalore They have an affinity for the cube shape, according to Wikipedia. And such forms can be seen in numerous aspects of their daily lives, from the design of their bio-cube cities, to the trim of Sundari's trees, and even the cuts of new Mandalorian foods.
0: I did notice the food, I think, in one of the scenes where she was with Padme, Because it looked like they were eating, like, cubes of tofu.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure why cubism was chosen.
0: Especially if they're going also for a Renaissance theme. Why wasn't it a Renaissance-style portrait?
1: Yeah. Well, and, I mean, everything else, like, sateen style is not cubist. No, not at all. Yeah. It's not even, like, (laughs) cubist-adjacent.
0: But we should go back a little bit and explain the circumstances we around her
1: death before we
0: talk about my... the death itself.
1: <laughs> so my mini rants on Darth Maul, oh god, and Savage. Maybe I'm too too connected to Ventress, and I would just like dismiss them. Anyways, so Savage is directed by Mother to find his long-lost brother, Darth Maul, who we all thought died after being bisected by Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom Menace. But no, no. He lived, and he turned into this like weird, rabid spider creature living on a junk planet. And he was assisted, in part, by an anaconda, which apparently are sentient snakes. And Savage arrives on the planet. He is directed by this Anaconden. He finds his brother. He brings the, brings him to Darthmire, I believe. Mother sacrifices part of her life force to like restore Darth Maul's mind and his legs partially. And then Darth Maul decides he wants to start a crime syndicate to like, get back at his former master and like accumulate power. So they bully the prominent crime families into joining. And then Hondo, he tries to coerce some pirates. Hondo shows him the door, more or less. And then they're adrift and Death Watch finds them. And they decide they have a mutual a mutual enemy in Obi-Wan Kenobi, very fortuitously. And Darth Maul agrees to help, help Death Watch take over Mandalore. Is this a good summary? Yes. Great. Excellent summary. I hate Darth Maul. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> really wanted the Huts to kill him, but okay. Really wanted him to be dead after we cut in two, but that's fine. Um, So after that happens, there's a lot of, like, intrigue and betrayals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Darth Maul kills the leader of Death Watch, Pre-Visla, after challenging him to a one-on-one combat. In which Previsla actually shows some semblance of honor ineffectually because he is killed. And then now Darth Maul has the Darksaber and imprisons Satine. Yes.
0: So basically, he comes after Satine to bait Obi Wan, and Satine calls Obi-Wan and tells him that she's lost Mandalore and she needs his help. And of course the Jedi Council will not
1: send any help to this neutral system. (laughs) Which is established because Ahsoka (laughs) had to go to uh, Onderon and do a guerrilla warfare. Very under the radar, but not really. Um, Because the Council does not help neutral systems. So, it's basically, not basically, it
0: is just Obi-Wan who comes to try to help Satine. Yes.
1: I should say neutral systems in internal conflicts, because if, you know, the Separatists were involved, or what have you was involved, then the Jedi Council could intervene, but if it's an internal conflict, then they can't.
0: Yes, and it is basically another Mandalorian civil war, just with... Darth Maul kind of behind the scenes.
1: Yes. And he is not currently, he has not reached out to his former master. So he's just kind of on his own. So Obi-
0: <laughs> Obi-Wan shows up and frees
1: the teen. Well, first the teen tells Darth Maul everything that he needs to know. There's no one left in our government except for this guy who's like super corrupted. You don't want to talk to him. And Darth Maul's <laughs> like, yes yes I do (laughs) obviously Darth
0: Maul cares whether a politician is upright
1: yes exactly I'm just like sitting just saying nothing like you can be haughty you can just sit there and just like look down your nose and be like no I'm not telling you anything but no no what ends up happening is Darth Maul and Savage like stage these attacks on Mandalore, so the Death Watch can swoop in and save the day. And the people will be fans of Death Watch versus Satine's government or ex-government because they are being, I don't know, active, non-passive, non-pacifists. They're doing something, right? And the people are all in. Like it's not, it's not hard. There's an immediate benefit to them. <laughs> They go from being like, "Oh, we're all about peace in theory," to chanting "Death Watch, Death Watch" in a massive town square. It's fast. It's very fast. <laughs> yes. And so then, Pre betrays Darth Maul. They have their duel. Uh, Darth Maul has the Darth Saber, and then. What does happen? Like, how does Satine? I think he just, like, brings Satine and, like, sets a trap for Obi-Wan. And then Obi-Wan comes in and Darth Maul is force choking Satine, trying to get Obi-Wan to turn to the dark side.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about that a little bit. And that's really interesting because that was how you kind of framed it, is he's trying to provoke Obi-Wan to turn to the dark side. Yes. And I was like, well, I'm not so sure that's what's happening, because why would he want that? Like, it's not like he's trying to recruit Obi-Wan. He really just wants to <laughs> destroy Obi-Wan's life. Like, he but I feel feels like that's he destroyed why. his.
1: Yeah. So I feel like if Obi-Wan were to, like, strike at Darth Maul in anger and turn to the dark side in that moment, it would destroy him. It'd be a slow, agonizing death by recrimination for Obi-Wan.
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know, though. I don't know if I agree, because Obi-Wan killed Darth Maul, he thought. Once.
1: But that was, like, a fair duel, right? I guess so. That is a good point, though. Like, what's the difference? Like, why doesn't Obi-Wan just, like, kill him? Is it because, like, is it is it just going back to, like, Palpatine encouraging Rey? Like, Ray's gonna kill him, and then as soon as Palpatine's like, strike me down. Well, not strike me down. Whatever he says to her. And it's like, then I will be reborn. Like, maybe it's the fact that, like, they want them to do it makes it harder for them to do it.
0: Maybe, but you would think if he killed Darth Maul, who clearly is not someone that should be around. Like, nothing good is gonna come from him. And he saves Satine, then... Why it's, would that be a morally difficult decision?
1: I think it's the motivation, right? Your motives for doing something you have to be you can't do it out of attachment. you can't do it do it out of anger. you have to have like these pure motives or like objective motives like we're going into battle, I'm fighting whoever. I don't have a personal vendetta against that person. Okay, so you sh- you could say that
0: his duel in Phantom Menace is in self-defense, but there's no way that his actions were not influenced by the fact that Darth Maul had just killed his master.
1: Yeah, I just don't know if like Obi Wan was like angry enough. You seem pretty upset, actually. I mean, maybe this because this is like the same issue as the senator right like when the senator is just like I'm gonna blow up this ship Obi-Wan could have just killed him in self defense because like he is threatening to blow up everything but he doesn't is it just because of Satine like is his love for Satine just like I mean his actions just because Satine is there or would he have struggled otherwise probably not right like he hasn't struggled previously
0: that's true so so
1: Maybe it is just that it's
0: what Darth Maul clearly wants him to do and he... Satine's
1: there. Maybe that's also part of the struggle. He can't kill Darth Maul because Satine's telling him not to.
0: Hmm. Interesting point. But then that almost kind of causes in part like causes her death in part too.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like Cassian has proven time and time again she would rather die than violate or like go against her pacifist motives. Oh, that be- also being said, she says that she's a pacifist and has no problem with self de- self defense. So she's inconsistent. Yeah, I just have to
0: wonder. She she probably would have died anyway because obviously <laughs> Darth Maul is trying to take over Mandalore and. Yeah. They're not going to just let her stay around. But at the same time, I feel like her death was partially caused by the apparent relationship between her and Obi-Wan. And in part, like, she's dying for their relationship, not just her ideals. Like, she was targeted for that reason.
1: that makes it even worse for me because it's not like i mean maybe i guess i guess it is right like her sacrifice saved his life because darth maul thought he had hurt obi-wan enough and he wanted obi-wan to live with that pain he let obi-wan live so i guess her death does have a point like it is not a sacrifice in vain however i don't think that she could have known that or counted on that no So, like, basically, she's just going into this blind for no real reason. Yeah,
0: I mean, she basically just got to a point where she couldn't defend herself. And (laughs) that was it.
1: Yeah, and then told Obi-Wan to not give in to the hate. But, like, I feel like it wouldn't be hate. It's just, like, a necessary evil. But maybe that is, maybe that's the dark side, right? The necessary evil.
0: Well, let's... Now, get into his conversation with Anakin because I feel like this is a logical transition point.
1: Okay. Because for me, it was a struggle because, like, she dies, she says her dying words, which are a rehash of what she said to him before and nothing yeah. happened. Right. Like, uh, I've always new. loved you forever. Yep, we know. She dies. He's sad but then like in the subsequent episodes he makes no reference to it until the point where like Anakin's going through this thing with Anakin's going through his thing involving Padme and Clovis and Anakin is visited by Obi-Wan who refers to Satine almost like she's still alive and said you I think he says you know right like it's, it's not you knew I know, I think he says,
0: I think he says you've met Satine or something like that. Yeah. And And, that's also
1: not like what I was looking for in that moment.
0: Yeah. So it's very interesting that this scene occurs because we've talked a lot about the fact that there's absolutely no way that Obi-Wan could have had no idea what was going on between (laughs) Anakin and Padme. It was so
1: Obi-Wan knows. Yep.
0: Yeah, so it's been established Ahsoka knows since when she left the Jedi Order. Anakin said something to her like, I understand what it's like to... I don't think it was exactly these words, I'm paraphrasing, but like, I understand what it's like to have these pressures on you and sometimes I want to just leave more than you know and he, she was just like, I know.
1: Yeah. Again, he has to be broadcasting. Like, it's Anakin. He's not subtle.
0: No, not at all. And that no. was another thing that I just kept saying when I was watching these episodes with Clovis. Like, it would have been so obvious. <laughs> just so many people.
1: Yeah. It is the worst kept secret ever. And yet everyone's just like, oh, it's a secret? Like, I mean, is, is Obi-Wan just being polite? Anakin's the father, isn't he? Like, yeah, you know. like.
0: so he and Anakin have this conversation where Obi-Wan is basically well he just he mentions Satine and then he's like I understand somewhat what you're going through but obviously well maybe not if you subscribe to certain theories but if you subscribe to my understanding (laughs) then Obi-Wan Satine have not violated their own (laughs) ideals and you know have not done anything that would be contrary to what Jedi are supposed to do and Obi-Wan has kind of sacrificed in that way and Anakin hasn't
1: yeah but I also feel like okay so Ahsoka leaves and obviously I mean she's expelled first and then she leaves permanently like people can leave the Jedi order with the very little repercussions like what on earth is Anakin Yeah, they like? like it just go like what what is the what's what's the problem here like I don't understand I don't
0: know And I don't know like what is it that Anakin says exactly like I know he's just kind of like what are you talking about Yeah no. like there's Padme. nothing going on with Padme and I we're just friends Yeah He's like, I just know that she used to be with Clovis, and it's upsetting to me for no reason.
1: No reason. I just think she's going to make the same mistake over again because I don't trust my own wife.
0: It's easier to imagine Anakin leaving for me because right? he just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, like... He kind of just disregards all of the rules anyway, even when they yeah. don't have to do with Padme. So I could definitely see him just. It's being an done ongoing, with
1: it. yeah. It's an ongoing joke in Clone Wars where it's just like it's aggressive negotiation, ha 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 ha. Like, yeah,
0: I can understand Obi Wan not leaving. Like, I completely think that that's believable for his character. But when you start thinking about it. Because of that, because of what we know of Obi-Wan and his future, obviously... He goes into exile. Yeah, like, there can't be a character that is hugely present. So she can only have so much influence on him and only affect so much before he has to just be the Obi-Wan that we know already.
1: Yeah, but I feel like there's such a, like... I mean, there could have been so much more there before he goes in exile. Like, maybe his relationship with her could have been, like, also part of the reason he went to exile. And, like, not just, like, it could have been a confluence of things. And it just really wasn't. Also,
0: to be honest, I don't need any more tragic love stories in Star Wars. That being said, if you're listening to this and (laughs) you love Obi-Wan Satine and love their relationship, we definitely would like to hear from you and hear what you like about it. Because we definitely are interested in hearing other points of view. And it's just interesting to know the different aspects of Star Wars and different aspects of characters that people like or don't like.
1: Yeah, I second that. Yeah, emphatically. I would love to hear a persuasive argument in favor of this relationship because at this point, I would take it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, does it does you have to be persuasive. Make a case. I'm in. Like, I'm just looking for a little bit of good dude.
0: OK, that's going to be it for today's show. Our intro and outro music is by Lobo Loco and our segment break music is by Poddington Bear. You can find us at starwarsleepover.com where we post all the links to references we've made during the episode. And we're also on Twitter at SW sleepover and on Instagram at starwarsleepover. If you like our podcast, please do consider subscribing rating and reviewing on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feedback is always welcome.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We will be back next week to discuss my OTP Han and Leia. Thanks for listening.
1: And may the force be with you.